Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 45 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by TabEase.com, the best Delta 8 edible on the market. Michigan is Big Ten champs for the first time in the Big Ten championship game era. We'll get into that real quick. But before we do that, let's say hello to both of the fellas here. Casey and Hayden, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Wally. I want to give a shout out to my fiance, Lauren. Today is her birthday. So happy birthday to my love. Yeah, yesterday was a really, really fun day of, of watching football. Chaos was avoided, I think. I think the, the top four, <laughs> I mean, probably as easy as it gets. You know, where you rank them is probably the, the difficult part. But yeah, just really looking forward to this uh, birthday day with, with Lauren and maybe some more football in the background though i'm not gonna we're not gonna you know sit down and watch football all day but yeah doing well man yeah happy birthday to lauren one of the what i guess future wives of the podcast here so very very big day so happy for her and then we'll go over here to hayden now how was your day i know it wasn't i guess the nightcap that we envisioned a few months ago but did you manage to enjoy the saturday championship day anyways to be honest, Wally, the, the only game that I got to watch was the Michigan game because we had a basketball game, so I didn't get to watch Bama. Bama's Bama, I guess. I don't know. That's unbelievable that Georgia thought this was the year, and I, apparently not. But positive, I did. I made some serious money yesterday. So anytime you can bet Nick Saban as a dog, I, I'm going to jump all over that, and that's what I did yesterday. Yeah, it's like the NFL rule of a few years ago, Brady and Belichick. If you can find those guys with plus money, you, you got to wonder what everybody's doing. But no, similar to you, I didn't get to watch a lot live at the time yesterday. I've still kind of got broken brain over last Saturday. I try my best to put a brave face here, but I taped the four major bowl game or bowl games, championship games. And watch them later, and I got to go through faster, so it was like ripping a Band-Aid off that way. So I got to see the, my football, but at least it was a quick death blow opposed to an 11-hour march to sadness. I do, sorry, I, I, I do want to toot my own horn real quick because I've been looking back on Twitter, and a month ago tomorrow is when I officially hopped on the... Michigan Conference Championship bandwagon, and everybody said I was a lunatic. But if you followed that advice, you would have made some serious coin because they were like really plus money. They were like plus like four hundred or something at that point a month ago to win the conference. So if you were on that train like I was, you made some money with that too. Yeah, speaking of that, I saw a uh, a tweet get brought up from back in April of this year. ESPN FBI gave Michigan. A 2% chance to win the East, a 0.7% chance to win the Big Ten Championship, and a 0.0% chance to uh, make the college football playoff. So had you gotten on Michigan then, wow, you you probably would have made a a lot of money. Yeah, it's one of those things now. It's become a running joke with the FPI and the Big Ten predictions because every year it seems like they miss a new spectacular sense. And this year it was Michigan that was the beneficiary of that. And I think that's a great way just to throw it into it. We're going to start today with the recap of the Big Ten Championship game and then end the show with a few other topics here. But let's just get into it. Michigan 
Scoreboard dominated, 42-3, to and they did in the second half without doubt, but Michigan really did a great job at navigating Iowa's kind of a quick start where they were able to drive down the field behind Sam Laporta, and when they were able to avoid that field goal or avoid the score early on, it, you really had the sense that Michigan was, it was their day. And they pull out a few trick plays of their own after Iowa had the missed halfback pass on their opening drive. And those couple plays really helped Michigan get up in this game and stay comfortable. Because once it got to halftime, it was all but over. But I'm going to throw it to you guys. Initial reactions to this game. It has, I mean, for the most part, it's what we were kind of anticipating. Yeah, I don't think that I thought it was going to be this bad, to be honest with you. You know, and, and Iowa did drive down the field on Michigan a couple of times. They had 279 yards of offense, which is not great, but that's honestly more than what I expected them to have. They just didn't execute when they got in there. Beatrice is is not very good. He missed some. Uh, they, they weren't like open throws, but like he missed it so bad that they, they never had a shot. Sam Laporta is a really good player and I think you know without him they don't they don't get to 10 wins this year Michigan on the other hand you know McNamara had an early mistake again like he did last week but he responded really well I think in my opinion the ball should have been caught but I guess nitpicking a little bit before we I I don't know I guess before we dive too into it I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on it I think my exact quote was Michigan by a billion, and that's basically what this was. I mean, once Michigan got the 20-some points, there was literally no chance Iowa was going to win this game. So it was bitter. I mean, I was angry watching this game. Just looking at the crowd and seeing, like, yellow and blue was disgusting. But, hey, I mean, Michigan Michigan took care of business. They The game literally went exactly how I thought. I, I didn't think it would be close at all. So... <laughs> I guess there's not really much for me to, to comment points. on this. What did you say, Casey? Oh, I just, but like 39 point victory. I said a billion, so. But, okay, but what was your actual score prediction? I don't remember. I don't think I actually gave a score prediction, but I, looking back at the picks, I, I thought that I said Michigan might hit the over by themselves, and I still I took the under. So I don't, that didn't make no sense. They said they might hit the over by themselves, and I took the under apparently. So that was very stupid of me, but the game literally went like I expected. On there was nothing Iowa could do. I mean, they moved it a couple times, but you knew once they got down to the scoring zone, they weren't going to be able to capitalize. And even when they did settle for field goals, you know, on the first first drive that they had, they settled for a field goal. And not saying that this game would be any different, but maybe it gives Iowa a little bit of momentum if they somehow make that short field goal. But <laughs> I don't think it makes much of a difference with with how Michigan's offense was humming and, you know, Iowa's defense was their their strong point all year, and to give up 42 points is is pretty brutal. Well, just a few things on that, though. This first half really could have gone two ways because Iowa's defense gave up a billion yards, it felt like, in the first half in that game, but they were mostly chunk plays. You saw one stat come up with in the mid-second quarter where Michigan had, like, 33 yards of offensive drives beyond the three... 50 plus yard plays that they had in that first half. And that's what we went going in. We knew that they were going to have to do. It was going to have to keep the, everything in front of you. And then on the flip, Michigan did that where when I was driving down on that opening drive, 
they have a third and five, critical third and five, looking back on it, right around the 11 or 12 yard line. And David Ajabo keeps the edge and makes a four, five yard tackle for loss. And it makes the field goal a little further back. If he doesn't play as disciplined as he is, who knows if he's there on the edge, we might be a seven nothing game. And it's like we were doing in the previous show. If Iowa was able to get that first score, this might've been a 60 minute football game, but even missing that field goal, it just felt too much to overcome. I agree with that, Wally. You know, I, I was impressed by Iowa's defense. I really was. You know, Michigan had Michigan wasn't able to do what they normally do so well last night. You know, 75 yards came out of a trick play for from Donovan Edwards, a 67-yard touchdown run by Blake Corn. But outside of that, you know, Michigan had to get A.J. Henning on one of those, you know, reverses that they do. They got Cornelius Johnson on that as well. And then they had to throw McCarthy in there, uh, probably running the, I mean, he only ran the ball four times and probably running the ball more than what Michigan might have wanted to because Iowa's defense was stopping their, you know, traditional run game. So, I, you know, I give Iowa's defense a bunch of credit. That offense is just not very good. I saw that um, at the stadium last night, it had Iowa Buckeyes. Did you guys see that on the? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. You, you know how good that team would be if Iowa or if Ohio State had Iowa's defense like that that team would be really good but I, I just feel bad for the for the Hawkeyes you know my my adopted team for the year I didn't think they had much of a chance and I I also think that they have to get some help at wide receiver I know Keegan Johnson is this dude that they they think is going to be really good but he only had one catch on the night um you know, I think that Iowa did a, a good job of getting the ball out of their quarterback's hands fairly quick. Hutchinson only had one sack last night, but I think he could really feel his presence on a lot of like it if if Iowa was gonna drop back five step drops, Hutchinson would have had three or four sacks. He was just eating those tackles alive. But I guess I thought this was going to be a long show because we'd have a bunch to talk about, but not too much on this game. I feel like it. I don't know. See, I actually do have a few other things. First of all, this is uh, inconsequential. So I wanted to get this out of the way first here. Gus Johnson, for the record, is I feel like one of the most professional in terms of removing his bias and calling games. He had both for the Ohio State-Michigan game and for the game last night, he has his little maze pocket square because he has the Michigan ties in his family and all that. But beyond that, the guy, you never know that he would have a rooting interest in games like that. And I just love listening to games from professionals like that. That was just my irrelevant throwaway point. But I have a, a one other thing here for both of these teams. We had gone into this with the question is, was Michigan going to be focused were they going to not look past Iowa are they already in the playoff in their mind I think that you could tell right away from the play calling in this game from those trick plays from the hyper aggressive play calling that Michigan wasn't going to do that that they looked at this Iowa team and saw a formidable opponent that they didn't want to look past and had maybe that Donovan I mean imagine saying that the best ball from a freshman from Michigan yesterday was going to be Donovan Edwards the fact that he, that touchdown pass makes it 14 nothing. They scored those 14 points in the span of three minutes there. 
That dude could start at quarterback for Iowa and Wisconsin. Yeah, that that was a dot. And there also should have been targeting on that call or on that play too. He got lit up, and that was I can't believe they didn't review that. Especially in the day and age now where everything is reviewed for targeting, the fact that that one wasn't, I think, in a weird way, the touchdown took away from the attention. And everybody, by the time they realized it, the extra points already been kicked. And it's like, oh, well, are bad on that one. But outside of that three minutes, Michigan doesn't score a point in the first half. And Iowa had three different drives that they were able to move the ball a little bit. Credit to Michigan, too, because after, I'd say, I put first drive here on this sheet. But I'd say first two drives, Sam Laporta was taken out of the game effectively. And you could see Iowa's offense completely fall off. And I think part of that, too, is that once you took Laporta away, you could tell Iowa had an extra running back, had an extra lineman at all points trying to pay attention to Hutchinson. And he still got the one sack. And you're right, had they asked Petrus or Padilla to actually take more time, he probably would have had more, too. But just a master class performance from coaching, I felt like, from Michigan yesterday. And here we are. They're definitely in the playoff, and I didn't see any chance of this happening at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, credit to Mike McDonald because Michigan was getting burnt on that bootleg in the first half, and they were really easy throws for uh, Pietras. And, and, you know, I think his first two completions for the night went for like 36 yards or, or something like that. So... But you could tell that it was a point of emphasis at, at halftime for Michigan to take that away. They would send a guy to the quarterback and have a guy with the tight end as well on the on the opposite side of the of the run fake. That that really just eliminated a, a huge part of Iowa's offense. So I've seen this being discussed. The Big Ten West is zero and eight in conference championship games. And some people are proposing that the Big Ten basically scrap the divisions and just go top two because the West never basically ever has a chance to win the conference. Would that be something that you guys want to see or or not? Because I know there's there's some there there are some negative things that could happen. Like you could have teams playing back to back, you know, especially Ohio State, Michigan back to back if they're both undefeated or something in a conference championship game, similar to like what the Big 12 does. And just like the Big 12, though, they cannibalized themselves yesterday. By the time that 4 o'clock kick started, we already knew the Big 12 was out, where if Oklahoma State had just secured it with that one loss, they would have sat there with four games, or I guess three at least, eager to watch, trying to figure out if they were going to get themselves into the playoff. If anything, if you want to do realignment, you have to go back to legends and leaders. You have to do something like that because you can't do maybe like a north and south thing. I I don't know how because then you would probably separate Michigan and Ohio State. And at the end of the day, the Big Ten's main focus to keep that rivalry intact. So it's either leaders and legends or you keep it as as is for me. Yeah, I I don't like the the top two teams playing um, and taking this year for instance, you know. If they're going to do that, they need to move the Michigan-Ohio State game to, like, mid-October. I would not like to see them playing in back-to-back weeks. I think that would be I, – I mean, I just don't think you could do that. And I, I don't even remember who was in the leaders and legends, to be honest with you, Wally, but I don't, I don't know what you do. The, the West has just got to get better. I, I don't know. 
it's quarterback play. It all goes into quarterback play. The West, outside of Aiden O'Connell this year, who could you ask to win a game for you? There was no one there. Tanner Morgan. I mean, it's just not... I mean, I wrote down a note here, too, that basically all of Iowa's passes, or at least passing plays that were successful, were inside the numbers and about 10 yards or closer to the line of scrimmage, naturally, too. Who's that, like, focus on? It's the tight end. Iowa doesn't have the wide receivers right now, and you can say that for almost any of the Big Ten West teams. Not only is the quarterback play bad, there's not a ton of really skilled wide receivers. And you if you're already a struggling team that can't throw the ball, throwing into tighter windows is only going to make it harder. I at this moment, I don't know when the Big Ten West could feasibly compete with the East on a regular basis. I tend to agree with both of you. I just I think it's a shame that that the conference championship game just can't seem and I know we've had some competitive ones in the past, but like even if they are competitive, there's really hasn't been a doubt who's been going to win. I know Northwestern played Ohio State close, and Wisconsin has maybe a couple times. But in the end, you kind of knew that Ohio State was going to win those. And last night, obviously, there was no doubt. I it, It's just kind of a shame to me that we can't get a good Big Ten Conference Championship game. And <laughs> that one side of the conference is just completely dominated and not lost a game. It just, it sucks. I don't, I, I don't think, I don't like that the, the top two scenario, top two type of a conference alignment, but I guess I would be more in favor of moving some teams. I don't know. Penn state to the, to the West, even though that makes no sense, but something has to be done to make it even because this is, I, I just, it's horrible to watch. The question will then become, if you do, let's say realign, like you're saying, you know, Penn State's going to, I guess, I mean, it's worth the travel, but they're also going to be complaining about how much you're putting a toll on these kids. Oh, BS. If if Penn State moved to the West, my goodness, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, we'll travel all the way out to Nebraska and to Iowa. I don't care. Yeah, poor guys have to travel to Illinois. Yeah, if, if we get to play the freaking, the West Division, I'd be more than happy to do that if I was James Franklin. No, you're right. I'm just saying that there's going to be other things that are going to be brought up by the Big Ten, and that's going to complicate it because it's not going to just be clean cut. We see with college football in every sense. I mean, right, I'm sure you guys have seen the 2024 expansion is in jeopardy right now because nothing in college football can ever be simple. Nothing can be black and white. I, I just don't think it'll be as simple as, oh, yeah, who wants to move out west? No, I, I understand what you're saying, Wally. Yeah, and so I I must have missed something yesterday because on college game day they had the SEC commissioner on and he was like he was kind of positive I guess in terms of the expansion and kind of laid out a different like a couple different things that he thought were important that they need to do. Then all of a sudden, like uh, probably four four or five hours later, I saw like like stuff about expansion coming to a hall or and all this stuff I'm like, what did i miss and do you remember what commissioner it was that s- said something that he expects the the expansion expansion talks to halt? no it was like mccallany or something not mccallany because that's big 10 sorry who was it? it was something like that i want to say it was a mix something i'll google while you're talking you say your point and i'll try to find it and i'll spit the name out for us yeah, so I, I was just really surprised because, the like I said, the SEC commissioner on game day was very positive for, for the most part, in my opinion. So, you know, I and one reason why 
I love listening to Joel Klatt and, and well, and Gus Johnson is because Joel Klatt is in in favor of expansion. He's very very blunt about his opinion, and I I really like that because obviously I'm I'm in favor of expansion. But he's like, no college football, they, they've got to expand. This is brutal for the sport. This this and this, and I I just really like listening to Joel Klatt on that topic. I guess. When you have that directness, especially in sport where there's so much subjectivity, it's really nice to have. For the record, though, uh, just like McElhinney, it's the exact same kind of thing. Bullsby, it sounds the exact same, of course. So, But that's the Big 12 commissioner. He believes that it is in some sort of jeopardy. And even if it wasn't, 2024 is not exactly tomorrow. We still have a few more years of this. And who knows what other, not scandals, but the... Baylor, TCU, Ohio State situations may arise in the next few years. Does anybody else have anything they want to bring up on the Big Ten Championship game, or do you guys want to go into the college football playoff here? I, I guess I'll I'll ask a couple questions. Do you guys think that Aiden Hutchinson did enough yesterday to earn his uh, trip to New York? No? I was waiting for Hayden because he called Heisman on the show last week. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I guess, yeah, he'll probably get invited, but I think we already know who's going to win. So Yeah, no, 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 no. It's, it's very obvious that Bryce Young is going to win, but I guess Kenny Pickett had a good day too, but like, who are your three that you would take to New York? Because are they only doing three, I think? With, they, but they should go to four or five, but I do think it's only three. So what are, what are your twos? What are your guys's? That would have been sounded weird. What are your twos, threes? What are your guys' three uh, Heisman candidates? It is so close. You've already said all four names. I think you have to have Stroud and Bryce Young as a fixture at top two. But you're splitting hairs between Kenny Pickett and Aiden Hutchinson because, first of all, both of them doing what they did, elevated programs that had not been at these kind of levels in such a long time. Kenny Pickett winning the ACC basically on his own back. Pitt's defense is not good. And then Aiden Hutchinson... I mean, between him and David Ajabo, that pass rush took Michigan from being kind of a running joke in the country to a national title threat. I guess if you made me choose, I would probably pick Aiden Hutchinson, but it is, I mean, it's 51-49. I wouldn't be upset either way if they decide. I'll go with Bryce Young, Hutchinson, and Stroud. Casey, is that the same three for you as well? Yeah, I I think that Hutchinson has a lot of momentum right now, I would say. And obviously, Michigan is a a bigger brand and has a lot more eyes on them than uh, what Pitt does. And so for that reason, I think that Hutchinson will probably get it over over Kenny Pickett. Although I think Kenny Pickett will be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft this next year. I completely agree with that. I think that it's going to be probably a top five pick purely because of the way NFL teams raise up the quarterback value, whether or not he would be in, in the past doesn't really matter. He's going to be the first quarterback off the board. And even just to have this discussion around Aiden Hutchinson, it's an incredible accomplishment. How often do we actually see potential New York invites to Heisman or defensive players? I mean, we've had the Chase Young discussion and Dominican Sue, I think might've been the most recent before that, but even before that, Oh, Jabril, was he at invited? Oh, wow, great call. That, that's my fault. So, But he wasn't strictly defense, though. 
True, so he was a returner kind of too, right? I, I mean, obviously and, he played offense as well. It's occasionally, he, yeah, he did, yeah. But yeah, that's a, it's just a, a fun discussion. But yeah, I'm I'm happy you brought that up, Casey. Does anybody else have anything else they want to talk about here? I think Pickett should win it for his fake slide touchdown yesterday. Dude, I didn't that, see that. That, that was they should sick. make that the Heisman Trophy, the fake <laughs> slide touchdown. That that was a sick move, but I also have a huge issue with that. That should not be allowed. You should not be allowed to do that because that the defenders clearly get, gave up and he ran for 30 more yards and scored a touchdown. It was it and unless you're going to allow defenders to hit the quarterback when he slides, that should not be allowed to happen. Completely agree. And Hayden, as a defensive guy, I I figured that you would be in favor of of that opinion, I guess. What are your thoughts? Because if no. he if he slides and or if the if the defender hits him like as he slides, they're going to throw fifteen yard. I don't know that that just that grinds my gears. No, I I totally agree with you. Well, cool. Before we finish up here on football today, because of what's going on, by the time you guys hear this, you'll know the top four. So this won't be all that crazy to you. We have a pretty good idea on what the four teams are. Don't necessarily know the order yet, so I want to get your guys' order that you believe it should be. I'm not saying what it is, what you believe the top four should be, and who you believe will be your national champion. All right, I'll go first. Number one, I think it should be Michigan. If you look at how dominant they've been the past, really ever since the, the Michigan State loss, I think they have to have the edge over Alabama. Let's not, I mean, everybody is, you know, really high on Alabama right now, but let's not forget it was literally a week ago they took a six-loss Auburn team to four overtimes. The previous week to that, they held on to be a four-loss, or is it five, four or five-loss Arkansas team at home. So I, I know that Alabama pretty much handled Georgia from the second quarter on. Let's not forget Georgia had a 10-0 lead after the first quarter. I think that Michigan's looked better in the past month or so, and so they should get the the number one seed, in my opinion. I'm not really sure that's going to happen because of how much everybody loves Alabama, but I would go Michigan 1, Bama 2, Cincinnati at 3, and then Georgia at 4. With Alabama winning it all, I'm not sure that it's going to be much of a challenge. I actually think Michigan poses the biggest challenge, obviously, because Alabama just beat Georgia by 17 points. So I'm not saying Michigan's going to make it to the championship game. I just think that they present the biggest challenge. Hayden, who do you have winning it all, and who's your top four? Should be top four. God, one and two I think is tough. I don't. Georgia – or no, no, no. Alabama has the best – win but also haven't looked fantastic at all times like Casey is saying I don't think it matters because they're not going to match up Georgia and Bama together so whether it's Alabama one then Michigan two Georgia would be three and Cincinnati four or if Michigan's one Georgia will slide to four Bama and UC will be two and three so (laughs) if I had to pick one I would say they're probably going to have Alabama at one who do you have winning at all then do you also have Alabama like Casey? Uh, yeah. Cincinnati has no shot, and I'm rooting for anybody but the Big Ten, so. 
See, okay, I, first of all, I completely agree with you, Hayden, that at the end of the day, they're not going to match up Alabama and Georgia. So no matter what, you're either going to have Michigan at one or two, depending on where they decide, Georgia will end up. But I don't think that's right. I think that Michigan should be one. And here's the thing, Ohio State fans should also remember this too. Them playing Clemson in 2019 instead of LSU after the way they played, they should understand this reasoning to want Michigan one. I know it would hurt right now as Buckeye fans, but you earn the right to have an easier game by being the one seed. Alabama and Georgia, I understand they just played. If you don't want to match up at two and three, you have to do more in the 13 games that you're allotted, and they didn't. So that's why I think they should. It should be Michigan one, Alabama two, Georgia three, Cincinnati four. Why would you have Georgia over Cincinnati though? Because I true. First of all, my disrespect for the group of five is very real. But I also think that Georgia just. I mean, first of all, they lost to a top four team. I understand that, but I think that they've proven all year that they are a better team overall than Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Let's not forget they've had a terrific three weeks here. They looked very meh for the first eight, nine weeks of this season. I guess, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's fair. If I were, I, I don't know how to say this. Cincinnati should also be thrilled with that matchup just because of what they do. If I would be high-fiving to play Michigan opposed to one of those other teams, just from a matchup standpoint, but at the end of the day, I don't think Cincinnati can best any of these three teams. Yeah, if, okay, so I would have Cincinnati at three. I think I think they've done more than what George, I, I, and I know that's, it's hard to say that, I, that they've done more than Georgia, but they haven't lost, and I think that matters losing in the last week of the season, you know? So I would have Georgia at four and Cincinnati at three is what I would have. Saying like one nice and one mean thing, though, real quick about Georgia is that the Clemson win at the beginning of the year it was so big, and then we tore it to the complete ground the way Clemson played. Clemson's still a very good football team. They were figuring themselves out a little bit, but there's a lot of talent there, and that was a tough place. It's a neutral psyche in the start of the year. It's very difficult. But on the flip, say something mean. It is a total joke, and I think it was you, Hayden, actually, that said this a few weeks ago. It is a total joke that they get to play a nobody team in their 11th game of the year, and then Georgia Tech in the 12th week of the season, that is such an unfair advantage. And I, I just hate it. I, they I, had they had three weeks of prep for Alabama and still got, you know, beat in pretty good. So Yeah, and you saw the scripted plays. Those first quarter, they looked pretty good. They were up 10-0. Once the game started feeling into it, or they, they start feeling into the game, Nick Saban adjusts. And what, Alabama outscores them 41-14, to 14, I think, down the stretch in that well, game? And- and, and that's the same thing. I follow a couple of Michigan fans on Twitter, and they were all upset yesterday after that first Iowa drive. Like, relax. That, like, those are the always the drives that they've they practiced all week. Those are These are the 15 plays that we're going to run in a row, and we better have them down crisp. And so, yeah, it's the same yeah same same idea. Yeah, and I just, I just think when you compare the resumes of, of really all four teams – I think one, Michigan and Alabama's resumes are very, very similar. Now, I know Ohio State has two losses, but I would 
I'll give the nod to Bama for the Georgia win, but I don't think it's by much. And the the second best win for each team is a 10-win team. Uh, Michigan being Iowa, Alabama's being Ole Miss, so they're very comparable there. But I, where I think Michigan kind of gets the edge on Alabama, oh, one is that Miami and Florida really stunk it up the rest of the year, so those wins don't look very good for Alabama. But as as Big Ten fans, we know how difficult it is to go to Penn State and win at Penn State. So that's a quality win. And then at Wisconsin as well, when you start stacking up resumes, I think Michigan's is, is better than Alabama's and has looked better than Alabama the past five weeks. And and so I, I, I guess I just don't see how Michigan shouldn't be number one unless they're just, you know, riding high off of Alabama beating Georgia. I'll ask you guys one more question and we can go on to other things here. But if going off of how we're talking, we assume that Michigan and Alabama might meet in a national championship game. What would you guys expect that line to be? I see Casey shaking his head. Do you think that Michigan would fall to whether it be Cincinnati or Georgia then? I don't think that, one, Michigan's going to get... I say fortunate. I think Cincinnati's good. I still don't think they should be in. It's just, you know, a crazy, crazy year. I don't think they're a top four team. I guess that's what I'm saying. But I don't think they're going to match Michigan and Cincinnati up. And so I, I truly don't think Michigan's going to beat Georgia. And and then I think Alabama will, will roll through Cincinnati. I, I think I saw an early line of hypothetical matchups, and I think Georgia was an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over Michigan in a potential playoff game. That's when disrespectful. That? Holy hell. I think I saw it this morning before we were recording. I think it might have been on FanDuel or something like that. That is that is a lot. That's that's absolutely crazy. Wally, another, another reason why it's really important to get the one seed is you get to pick where you play. You know, obviously, I I think Michigan would go to Dallas if, if they had the opportunity to pick. They would want to go to Dallas rather than Miami. So, you know, that is really huge. You get to either play in, you know, a, a dome or you get you have to play on natural grass and outdoor where, you know, weather could become an issue. So I think that's that's really, really important in all of this as well. That's a great point, Casey. And we'll get into that more as we get closer, but a lot of it, would at that point depend on who Michigan is matched up with at four. If it's Cincinnati, maybe you want a grittier and uglier game. Maybe that entices you to the natural grass, maybe weather game in Miami, where if it's Georgia, you don't want it to be a snowball's throw to where they're playing from their home stadium. I, I That's a actually terrific point. Okay, so according to Brett McMurphy, everybody knows him and hates him because he's a douche, but he tweeted out, Projected betting lines, he has number one, Alabama, number four, Cincinnati. Alabama was 12.5-point favorites, which I would absolutely smash. And then he has number two, Michigan, and number three, Georgia. He has Georgia minus nine. Do they have over-unders on that as well, or is it just the spread? He he did not include totals. I can't imagine that the Michigan-Georgia game would be, would be very well. That would be one of those under-40 games. Yeah, that's going to be something that's like 37 and a half or something because it's going to be a tw- – if, if they match up, it's going to be like a 20-17 to 17 game 
because both defenses are obviously really good and offenses are are limited. Although I think Michigan is really getting more creative and you know obviously still running the ball really successfully. So yeah, nine points that that is insane. So, some guy quote tweeted and said, "I'm betting my entire life on Michigan plus nine. <laughs> which, which that see that this is the problem with Vegas is that they know everybody and their brother is going to jump on Michigan plus nine, and then somehow it'll be a ten point win, and yeah, everybody yeah. everybody will lose everything. Well, it's one of those things where we it sounds like such a big number right now, but just to have it twenty four to fourteen. That can be a really competitive game, and Georgia can maybe ice it with a field goal late or something, and all of a sudden you're you're stuck with your tail between your legs, wondering how you got there. Here in the back part of the episode today, it's gonna be a little bit more different. We should also probably announce we're still figuring out the day, but now with the regular season for Big Ten football coming to a close, we will be going back to our one show a week here starting this next week. Maybe during the bowl season, once we get closer, we might throw in maybe a second episode once, maybe twice, depending on what's going on. But that won't be a very consistent thing. We're going to get back into our normal schedule now. But on that note, I'm going to throw it over to Hayden now. Have him give us a little bit of an update on how the Big Ten ACC Challenge ended and what else has occurred in Big Ten basketball this week. Yeah, so when we finished recording uh, last Wednesday... We were like, we were flying high that we were going to, you know, win this thing like 10 to 4 or something. And all of a sudden, those games kind of turned a little sideways. And uh, the Big Ten, luckily for us, hung on 1-8-6. Michigan State beat Louisville. NC State beat Nebraska in a four-overtime game. That was, uh, I don't know if you guys watched that, but that was unbelievable. Virginia Tech beat Maryland. And we also have some news on Maryland. They got rid of Mark Turgeon. Miami beat Penn State, and then North Carolina beat up Michigan pretty good to end the Wednesday night. Friday, we got into a little bit of a conference play. Illinois beat the piss out of Rutgers, and Purdue beat Iowa by seven. So those two teams are 1-0. Saturday, Indiana beat Nebraska. Wisconsin, in a non-Big Ten game, beat Marquette, but that's like an in-state game. Kind of, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a rival, I guess. Michigan State beat Toledo, and Michigan beat uh, San Diego State. Any first reactions? I guess we'll go to you first, Casey. Reactions from this game? You're a Michigan basketball fan. Not the like the start to the year that you had envisioned or anybody had. This is fixable, though, right? Uh, yeah, I, I do think it is fixable. Their, their win yesterday against San Diego State, that San Diego State's a quality team, and they really, really needed that because any any quality team that they've played so far, they really have gotten waxed by, I guess, the Seton Hall game was, was close, and, I mean, I guess they should have won that. But, you know, this is part of the growing pains of having a young team. And losing, you know, as much talent as Michigan brought in, they lost a lot. They lost Wagner. They lost Livers. They lost Mike Smith. I know Austin Davis didn't really provide a lot of scoring, but, you know, he would give you a quality 10 to 15 minutes a game of really good, you know, four or five points a game, four four or five rebounds. So I think it's I think it's going to be all right for Michigan down down the stretch, they're they're learning. They have a lot of turnovers, and 
a lot of miscommunication on defense, which is has really irritated me so far this year. But I, I think it'll get worked out, and Michigan will, will be a lot better team. That's one of the challenges of having such a difficult front-loaded schedule, too. You know, they played four or five really quality teams, and they lost three of those games. So I don't think that Michigan's in that much trouble yet, I should say. They, they have a nice little stretch of six games coming up that they they should win and you know they're sitting at five and three right now and if they can win those six games and and be sitting at 11 and three they're they're going to be feeling a lot better about themselves i already know michigan is going to be ready to go once it comes tournament time end of february early march they'll they will be fine if there's any michigan fans who are worried about this basketball season don't be go enjoy your football team because this, this is a special occasion. The basketball team will be fine when it when it matters. It's got almost a weird not because I don't think Alabama is nearly on the level that Florida was, but it reminds me a lot of the 06, 07 Ohio State and Florida dynamic in football and basketball where Alabama and Michigan both have national title hopes for football and I think are both have aspirations to be national champions in basketball too. Alabama, we've seen that program grow a lot in basketball. And I don't know why I just had to bring that up because of the similarities right now. But Michigan, I, I don't, I'm not worried yet. I, it might be the Buckeye fan of me like you, Hayden, but I expect everything to be rearing, ready to go come March. It might be ugly for a month or so, but things will click. But I another little random thought that I had when I was watching that Michigan-San Diego State game in the background I like keep forgetting. I know he's been gone for like five years, but I keep forgetting Steve Fisher's not the head coach at San Diego State anymore. And every time they pan over, I'm like, who's that guy? Like, why do they keep showing this dude? Outside yeah. of that, it, it was pretty cut and dry this week. Teams that were supposed to win won. Teams that weren't supposed to win didn't. Only other thing is Nebraska. God, I'm so tired of giving them credit and then just to see them fall on their face. Yeah, a couple things real quick. Wally, first off, Alabama basketball beat Gonzaga yesterday so they shoot they realistically might be one of the best teams in the country too I always thought Steve Fisher was still at San Diego State too but as I was listening to the game the guy that um, replaced Steve Fisher was the guy that recruited Juwan Howard to Michigan while Steve Fisher was at Michigan so they had a little interview about that and coach Howard talked about his relationship with him and whatnot so I thought that was very interesting as well that's awesome. Yeah, I had no idea. Wow, good catch, Casey. Here, my dumbass was ready to just blow through that. Good call. Big games in the Big Ten tonight and tomorrow night, though. Conference play. If you have them in front of you, you can spit them out real quick because I don't. Oh, okay, yeah. So um, tonight we have Northwestern at Maryland, Minnesota at Mississippi State. Not a conference game, but Ohio State travels to Penn State where, you know, Penn State is typically a team that plays Ohio State really, really well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And then tomorrow night, Illinois plays at Iowa. Iowa started off the year pretty pretty hot. They're 7-1 and one and really played a, played a decent game against Purdue the other day. So we'll see if they can keep that momentum going. And keep an eye on Illinois, too. They're similar to Michigan. Got off to kind of a slow start this year. But, um, you know, getting some really quality wins with their win over Kansas State, Notre Dame, and beating Rutgers by 35, I guess, is pretty nice. But Illinois has got a big week of basketball this week. 
I know it's going to come out after the fact, so it's not going to be early enough for you guys to do it. But if there was ever an Ohio State-Penn State matchup to bet, it might be this one just because Penn State is in a state of disarray right now. Head coach, pro- like, in and out. You have transfers left and right. The basketball program at Penn State just seems like every little bit of momentum they'd built up in the last few years have kind of been the Indiana and football effect. The rug's been pulled out from under them. If Ohio State can't cover the three and a half tonight, just permanently bet Penn State to cover when they play Ohio State. By the way, it's already up to five. Wow, good call. Did not see that. So even at five, you'd imagine you would hope Ohio State should cover that game. You should hope. Yeah, also, so talking about spreads right here, I'm going backtracking a little bit, I know. On game day, do you guys know how uh, the Bear has his board? He's trash. Well, (laughs) I thought it was funny, and that's when um, I noticed the big shift, too. He had Michigan minus 10.5 in Iowa on there, and then probably about an hour later, they were like, oh, I saw that you took that that, uh, Michigan-Iowa game off. He goes, yeah, that line jumped to 12. Up to 12 and a half. I'm not touching that. <laughs> I actually didn't see that, so... He should have. <laughs> Chris... I See, I actually don't... I like Chris Falca. I, I, I like Bear, but I know that rough years, what, statistically, but that happens for everybody. When you're in a game of forecast, it's like the weatherman thing. It's no one gives you the credit when you're right, but when you're wrong, everybody's the first to point it out. We'll be talking much more basketball as we go forward now, especially with football coming to an end. So next week, get prepared for that. But a couple other things, wanted to throw it out there, kind of open forum if you guys want to say anything about it. I'm sure everybody at home is aware by now, Quinn Ewers is transferring from Ohio State. It sounds like the three schools, or at least the three schools that have been heavily linked to him, is Texas, Texas A&M, and Texas Tech. Makes sense he'd want to go back home. I would love to get your reaction on that here in a second, Hayden. And any other bit of news, Brent Venables, it looks like he's a pretty surefire bet that he will be the next Oklahoma head football coach. That's also a big bit of news. We are literally a day after conference championship Saturday, and we have already seen three blockbuster head coaching moves. Offseason's not even here yet. New day and age of college football. Welcome to the wild, wild west. Borger, guys, is now either one of those topics. What are your thoughts? I will go on the record. And I, I I put this in the group chat, and I don't know. But I had a mis, mixed reaction, I think. I am going to say a hot take. I think that Quinn Ewers transferring from Ohio State is a net positive. I, and I know that sounds crazy. Is a net positive for Ohio State because it seems like they might have dodged a bullet with, with this guy. And I know he is is uber-talented, uber-talented. And, and I might eat these words, and he might go – to another school and just absolutely light it up. But he seems to be motivated by a lot of the nil stuff, which I, I can't blame him if he's making that much money, but it, it seems somebody is not informing this kid of the, I don't know, because why I know he wanted to get his money, but he knew the the quarterback room at Ohio state was going to be jam packed and he made the decision to go to get paid, which is fine. But you have to realize that with that and the way that C.J. Stroud played this year, which I'm not saying you could predict that C.J. Stroud was going to be this good, but we knew he was probably going to be pretty good, that you likely weren't going to start next year either. So I, I, 
I think Ohio State's going to dodge a bullet, and we might look back on this in, in two years, and you might call me the biggest idiot on the planet, but that's how I feel. Hayden, I, I completely understand where you're, where you're coming from. This kid seems like he is in it for the wrong reasons. Um, seems like a very, I'm not going to say very selfish guy, but, you know, if you're 17, 18 years old and you're already chasing after the money and really damaging your potential college career by doing so, and I don't think a lot of people understood that when he reclassified to 2021, that really hurt his college career, specifically his college career at Ohio State. So uh, maybe they did dodge a bullet. But uh, like we said earlier in the other show, Ohio State getting Devin Brown was absolutely a, a big-time dub, even though he might not really ever see the field at Ohio State either. But, you know, to to get another recruit that – I think he won the Elite 11, didn't he, Devin Brown? I think so. I think he was he was up there. Um, he reminds me a lot of C.J. Stroud and how in C.J. Stroud's recruitment he was in the shoot near like 800 overall in the in the recruiting rankings and then just shot up like a cannon. So in that perspective, you know him and Stroud are are very similar, I guess, with their recruitment. But Wally, I'm really interested to hear your take. You've been on the Quinn Ewers train ever since he committed, and I just want to know how you're feeling, buddy. I'm very disappointed. I won't begin to tell you that I'm not, but at the end of the day, the people that are trying to, or I guess the Buckeye fans that are immediately doom and gloom, like what's happening, this is the new world we live in, and people are going to have to understand this is going to happen for and against all of our marquee premier programs, we lose a Quinn Ewers today. We might get a Quinn Ewers two, three years down the line too. It, it, this is the new age in college football. These guys are going to be looking after NILs. They are going to be motivated by money. It's not the pure amateurism college athletics that we were growing up with, our parents grew up with. And we're going to have to get used to it because this isn't going to change. This is here to stay. And... You know, I will tell this to other Buckeye fans that after next year, let's say C.J. Stroud leaves. He's gone. We're trying to figure out who the next quarterback is. Kyle McCord, assuming now he might actually stick around because he believes he has a a shot to play here, you're also going to have Devin Brown. And we're also not ruling out the possibility, too, the transfer portal still exists there, too. Somebody at a very high level might say, screw it, you know, maybe I want to go there, chase a, a ring with Ohio State, this is going to happen for us. So understand, yeah, it hurts right now, but it's going to happen and be reciprocated for us in the same time. So I'm not as devastated as I think you would imagine I would be. Yeah, Wally, that you bring up a fantastic point. This, this is not just an Ohio State thing. Some big-time recruits have landed in the transfer portal within the last week. You know, Clemson lost their backup quarterback too, who was a young guy to the transfer portal. They also lost a very, very highly recruited wide receiver to the transfer portal on the same day their backup quarterback did. Oklahoma lost a five-star offensive lineman to the transfer portal. So you're you're absolutely right. It is not a an Ohio State issue. It's just the the new day and age of college football. Also, if we are looking at a transfer quarterback too, I know that's not you would like the ideal is to home grow. You, you, I understand that, 
But the last transfer quarterback for Ohio State didn't exactly pan out too poorly either, and people seem to be quick to forget that. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that Ohio State's going to go in that direction any longer with with the way they're recruiting the quarterback position. And Ryan Day is an excellent offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. So I think you're right. You know, having the homegrown guy is – you have an advantage. And, you know, with Justin Fields, it just so happened that Ohio State's quarterback room was very, very thin. And it was Ryan Day's first year. They were pretty desperate. And honestly, you know, with, with – I almost said strong fields having a lot of interest. You weren't going to not take him. He was one of the highest recruits to, in 247 history. So yeah, I, I can't imagine Ohio state going to the portal for their quarterback specifically any longer. I right now. I agree with you. It's just two years is a long time and so much can happen in that period of time. I'm just saying, don't rule it out and don't be shocked if we are looking at something like that in 16 months' time. Yeah, and I know what you're saying, but I think that Ryan Day has the easiest selling job outside of Lincoln Riley, maybe, in, in college football with the quarterback position. He could say, hey, you can sit behind uh, Kyle McCord. You can sit behind Stroud for two years. He takes off. You have one great season. Boom, you're off to the NFL. And then boom, after that, Devin Brown. And then boom, after that, you know, Arch Manning, uh, you know, I, it's just like, yeah, he's not, he's not coming up North, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think it's an easy sell. I just think that the quarterback room was so crowded because Ewers reclassified and Jack Miller, for some reason, stuck it out after Kyle McCord committed to Ohio state. So I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue in the long run. Let's go to Brent Venables for a second. Another major blue blood school, new head coach, new identity, it seems like, too, bringing in a very defensive-minded coach. What do you guys think? I know we did the fallout last week. We understand what that is now for the Big Ten. But just from a nation outlook at whole, Venables going into the SEC with Oklahoma, what do you think the long-term fallout of that be, whether that be SEC or elsewhere? I think it's a great hire. I really do. I think bringing in a defensive-minded guy who who spent 12 seasons at Oklahoma, by the way. He was the defensive coordinator there for 12 years, so he knows the air, the area. He knows the territory. I think it's a perfect, perfect hire. He's obviously had a lot of success at Clemson, and his defenses are have always been really, really good. So as long as he can still get – Get the offensive guys uh, to Oklahoma that they that they typically do, I guess. And speaking of transfer portal, that's probably where he's going to you know need to get his quarterback. Assuming, uh, I guess, I've heard rumors that Caleb Williams might be transferring too. If he can keep him, that'll be good. But yeah, you know, I think it's a it's a great hire if it if it all falls through. Hayden, over to you. Not only is Venables going to Oklahoma. But that means that Clemson's now without a fixture at their defensive coordinator position, and we know how much of a permanent stay they've had on the college football playoff with this year being the lone exception, really. What do you think this is going to do for college football? I guess today I'm just full of hot takes, but here we go again. It's the offseason, well, at least for everybody but four teams, pretty much. So... Clemson's offense, and this is just my opinion, has been stuck in a rut for the last five years probably, but it was masked by Trevor Lawrence's ability to be phenomenal, okay? That's just my opinion. Now, 
they're losing their defensive coordinator, probably, who has had, like Casey said, excellent defenses basically since he's been there. I mean, they've been really good. So now you have change coming around the defense. I think that we might be going back to, I mean, not where Clemson's bad, but like that average tier team again. I, I honestly believe that that is possible because you're, Trevor Lawrence is not walking through the door again. Just, I mean, and we've seen that this year. Their offense was horrible this year, like horrible. And then with the changes around the defense, I think it could have a huge shakeup for the ACC and Clemson as a whole. You look stunned, Wally. You look stunned that I'm saying that. No, I'm I'm really hopeful that you're right, actually. <laughs> I'm sitting here desperately manifesting right now. I've got a dream board in the corner, and it's just going to be Hayden's thoughts right there. But no, I, I think that there is a shot because you guys, again, people like myself, the people listening, aren't the guys that have their eyes on 24-7 recruiting 365 days a year. But as far as I've kind of grown up understanding, South Carolina isn't Texas. It's not Florida. It's not California. It's not even Ohio. It's a good recruiting state, but it's a place that if you don't have that kind of momentum that they've had in the last 10 years, you can kind of fall off really quickly. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and especially they've recruited the state of Georgia really well too. And with the resurgence of Georgia and Kirby Smart, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult to land those recruits as well. But, uh, you know, going back to Clemson and, and their on-field production a little bit, they got better throughout the year. That's one thing. That team is, that team is really, really talented. And they, they won their last five games of the year. They scored 30 or more points in all five games. So I think they kind of started to find a rhythm. I don't think Tony Elliott is very good, a, a very good offense coordinator. And Hayden, I really do agree with your point. Generational talent like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence really helped cover up a lot of Clemson's weaknesses on the offensive side. But yeah, going back to Brent Venables, I just tried to combine his name. That's that's a big time loss, and it kind of impacts the uh, the Big Ten a little bit because Keon Saab, who is committed to Clemson right now took his official to Michigan last week for the Michigan-Ohio State game and then got a crystal ball to Michigan. Obviously, he's er, he's a defensive back, so the defensive coordinator at Clemson leaves. That seems like it's just a perfect, uh, what am I trying to say, perfect opportunity for him to just be like, back off of his commitment to Clemson and then go to Michigan. Well, okay, I, I, will, I will concede that maybe Clemson's offense was better towards the end, but let's look at those last five games. They played Florida State, which they scored a touchdown on the very last play of the game to cover that spread, if you remember. So they were in the 20s in that game. They played Louisville, who I don't know. I don't think they've ever played defense. They played Connecticut, who might be the worst team in college football. They played a Wake Forest team who is allergic to playing any defense whatsoever. And they played a South Carolina team who's not very good. What was their record? I mean, they were 6-6, six and six, so not very good. So just to kind of push back on on that just a little bit. No, no, I completely agree with you, Hayden. But I think where they were, I, I I'm not saying they're elite or anything, but where they were at the beginning of the season, they were just straight up bad. Three points against Georgia. Okay, you know you can kind of wash wash that one away. Georgia's defense is really good. Fourteen points against a Georgia Tech team that is very very bad. Nineteen points against Boston College and seventeen against Syracuse, and then it kind of looked like they finally. 
um, after the pit loss, started to really rely on the run game. And Uyunglele kind of got into playing better ball, still not great. But um, I, I was just saying that the offensive production was better, I guess, in the later later in the season. And they were still playing bad teams in the beginning of the year. Great job on the pronunciation, by the way. I, I'm, like, scared. I, he's just DJ to me. But I can we talk about how big of like he got the NIL deals. He's got all this hype. What a what a bust of a season this. He might be good next year. He he there's he's got talent. All right. He, he's he's good. He was a five-star quarterback. But man, the hype on him going into this year. Wow. What I mean, he did not meet half the expectations. I mean, we're Big Ten fans. We know all about five-star quarterbacks that haven't lived up to the expectations in our conference, especially up there in Madison. But I want to ask I you have a question. question. Oh, good. Oh, both, sorry. We both have a question. I will we, let you we both go have first. a question. No, you go first. Okay, so normally, and this is a little off topic, but normally I would say I don't like to criticize – too heavily like college players because they aren't paid but now with nil they kind of are getting paid do you guys is i don't know how what your thoughts are like with criticizing these guys but like does like them getting nil deals change the way you kind of view if you can criticize what they do it's interesting i hadn't really thought of it i think that it's you're and no matter how old you are it's okay to be critical as long as it's not being just malicious for malicious sake because like last week, for instance, I love Dewan Jones. I think like I think he's an awesome person and I love him as an Ohio State tackle. But I think if you even asked him, he'd tell you that he didn't do a well enough job in that game for Ohio State to win. Stuff like that. I don't think that that's overtly mean or overly critical. I, I'd love to hear what you think though. No, I think I'm on the same page. I just like with them, if some of these guys are making millions of dollars, it feels like we can be a little more harsh in our treatment. But that I feel like that comes off a little weird. Well, and in my question, I guess for you, I assume Casey, your silence meant that you you don't have a comment on this. He's shrugging for the world right now, so you guys at home understand. But my question was going back to Clemson just for a second. We have really gone off the rails. We love doing this when it comes to Alabama and Clemson. But going back to Clemson for just a brief moment, if they kind of have the fall off you anticipate, Hayden. We're seeing more of the ten and two, nine and threes, even like the eleven and ones, but they fall short of a playoff years again. Do you think that Alabama's is eager to go calling for Dabo once Nick Saban finally does hang it up? I think Dabo is going to retire before Nick Saban does, so won't be an issue. Okay, fair. <laughs> I guess if they aren't as successful. Like, is is there a chance that he could get fired from Clemson ever? No, no like, chance. He's locked in. Yes, hundred percent. E- even if for the next five years they go six and six, that's what it would take. But do you realize they the fall off to go five years of six and six after what he's built? It would take a, a like a level of effort. I mean, even LSU we've seen where it was largely Joe Burrow that established that national title. Even their fall off to getting right around five or six wins felt like a massive fall off. What it would be for Clemson would be 30 for 30 documentaries in 20 years left and right. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that question, Wally. 
I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. But assuming you guys are good to go, we, I loved it. This was a great show today. Had a lot of fun with you guys. And I think it's a great time to wrap up another episode of Pigskins and Nylon. And we will be back later this week. Again, we're trying to figure out our scheduling right now. We are going to one a week. I'll make an announcement on our next show what day you can expect us. But we'll be back to talk some Big Ten hoops and break down a little bit of the bowl games this next week. At least get a real quick jump, dip our toe in the water on those matchups. Make sure you go and follow us on Twitter at Pod. Facebook at P and N pod and also Instagram at P and N pod. What do you guys have for final thoughts for us before we let everybody go on their way today? Not many people know, but today's Lauren's birthday, but it's also the Wolverine Slayer, Jim Trussell's birthday. So shout out to him. Maybe we could have used a little bit of him uh, last week to help us out, but sad boy hours. Yeah. I was going to say, wow. No, I mean, my, Final thought is, you know, congratulations to Michigan. Uh, really eager to see where they fall. Okay. And <laughs> really eager to see where they fall here and shoot 18 minutes when the college football playoff rankings come out. Uh, you know, like I said, I think they should be one, but they'll probably give the nod to Alabama. Yeah, really, really excited for to, not only to see the playoff, but to see the, uh, the potential matchups for bowl games. We kind of already have a little, little – Insight, I guess. We assume that Ohio State's going to play Utah in the Rose Bowl. That'd be very exciting. And Ohio That's State, a horrible matchup. Yeah, horrible yeah. matchup. Ohio State, if, if that's a matchup, Ohio State better come to play because that Utah team is just as, if not more, physical than Michigan. So um, they'd have a lot of work to do, but really excited about all these potential matchups for the Big Ten. Jump on the Utah line before it starts going. Going a little crazy. But my final thought for you guys here today was that as miserable as they are, and I know they are, you have to imagine the relief in Oklahoma State's locker room seeing everything else go chalk yesterday must have been so huge. Because imagine if Michigan lost or if Georgia beat Alabama and they knew that that, what, inch is the difference between them in a freaking playoff spot. That was my only thought for you. Yeah, but do you think that Cincinnati plays a little tighter if they... No, if Oklahoma State won, do you think Cincinnati might have might have came out a little bit more nervous or or anything like that? I mean, yeah, they were, play, they were playing Houston, uh, so I I don't know. No, I I absolutely do think that like everything changes. The world has butterfly effects. Yeah, I, that's why I hate when people are like, oh, that penalty in the first quarter cost us a game. Everything changes. Play calls change. Then because of the play calls change, injuries might happen. A million things change. All I'm saying is if you're Oklahoma State, you lie to yourself and tell you we weren't going to make it either way. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm picking up what you're throwing down now. Also want to mention, since you said injuries, it looks like John Mechie tore his ACL last night, which is a huge blow for Alabama. And they're, I mean, I still think they're going to win it all. But, you know, it, you, you saw the difference that it made in the Auburn game when Jamison Williams got taken out. Uh, because of a targeting call, it's a lot easier to cover one star receiver than it is to cover two star receivers. So something to definitely keep an eye on as we move forward with the college football playoff. The idea of Buckeye fans maybe rooting for Jamison Williams again after not having any idea of that or belief that would ever happen, that could make for some great TV. Okay, one other thought. (laughs) Sorry. 
I know Ohio State's receiving room is is really really good, and you know we've said all year, you know, good for Jamison Williams to go to Alabama. If Jamison Williams is fast, fast, like he would have provide a another major major spark for Ohio State had he stayed. So while Ohio State was fine all year long, I still think that losing Jamison Williams has proven to be kind of a little bit of a blow. It was naturally a blow, but you were going to lose somebody. And I I mean, if you might have lost Jackson Smith and Jigba instead or something like that, and maybe we're having the same conversation in reverse right now. Yeah, Olave coming back really messed that whole thing up. Damn Olave. Unbelievable. But no, thank you guys again for listening. We'll be back next week for another episode of Pigskins and Nylon.